Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, author of the brand new book, Invisible War on the Saints, Greg Patton, will be helping us to live in today's world. But first, we begin a brand new series looking at the satanic ritual of the royal secret. We're excited to remind you that you can now hear Watchmen on the Wall, this program, on the websites oneplace.com and sermonaudio.com. More ways to access the Christ-centered clarity that's needed now more than ever. The latest issue of the Prophetic Observer is now available. Each month, the Prophetic Observer has timely articles about prophecy in light of today's events. An excellent outreach tool, many people give copies of the Prophetic Observer to friends and family so they can stay informed. Make sure you subscribe to the Prophetic Observer today. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144 and subscribe to the Prophetic Observer. Our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, and today's guest, Dr. William Schneibelin, shine scriptural light on the Devil's Triangle, a dangerous conjunction that through Satan has the world in his vice grip because of the widespread usage of pedophilia. Our society is convulsed with violence and perversion. What is going on and who is behind it all? Our guest, Dr. Bill Schneblin, does a good job explaining all of this and what we can do about it. Dr. Schneblin has produced a DVD titled Pedophilia, Satanic Ritual, Royal Secret. Thank you, Bill, for being on the show. Always a pleasure. Thank you. You have an extensive list of qualifications and experiences, and I know a lot of it comes through this excellent DVD, but to start, please give us an overview of what is covered and discussed in your DVD. Well, I mean, I basically talk about the fact that, you know, nowadays we're, we're really learning about this stuff. It's really coming out. But nobody really understands it. Number one, this stuff has been here, you know, literally it's old as sin, the idea of, of sexually exploiting little children. And they don't also understand that it's part of a larger agenda. It's not just a bunch of isolated perverts, you know, hiding in their basements <laughs> looking at kitty porn. Right. There's something darker behind this. And that's what I do in this DVD. I talk about how there's been both in the realm of the occult and black magic, but also in the realm of, of social engineering and, and using things like media, radio, television, movies to hold, really to change the whole course of Western civilization and not right. for the better. Right. Yeah. And well, then I offer some spiritual right. solutions. So, yeah, that's the, the quick version. <laughs> yes, I think it's a great DVD. One of the things that our listeners might not know about you is your background. You were a Roman Catholic. You were a high-level Freemason. You were also involved in Satanism and witchcraft. And I think because of your background, you're especially alert to uh, demonic forces, to uh, darkness, to what's going on. So maybe tell us a little bit about Freemasonry and some of the other things that you've turned away from, and why did you turn away from those things? Why did you see them as so so harmful? 
Well, I mean, with the Masons, the reason I joined, I mean, I'd, being a Roman Catholic raised in the 50s and 60s, Masonry was totally verboten. You know, you weren't supposed right. to have anything to do with it. So I knew very little about it. And then when I became a high-level Druid high priest, the um, my mentor, who was the Grand Druid of North America, he said I should join the Masonic Lodge because it was a place to acquire a great deal of Luciferian power and knowledge. You know, that's a big deal. So when I moved to Milwaukee and I had an opportunity, I asked one of the people that was in. We were running, at this time, understand, we were running covens of witches. I was a witch high priest and a druidic high priest. And we had dozens of people under us at this time in the early, this would be in the early 70s. And uh, one of the guys we initiated into witchcraft, his dad, was a lodge officer at a certain lodge out in Hart, Wisconsin. So I went there and I became, you know, entered apprentice, fellow craft, master mason. We, I went through the degrees and later on went through the Scottish Rite and the York Rite. And I was a lodge officer, so I was really into this stuff. But what most people don't understand is that even though masonry looks reasonably, you know, if you, if you push beneath the surface, there's a lot of creepy stuff. But for the right. most part, it looks okay. Right. You know, like the blood oaths that masons have to swear on a Bible, kneeling in an altar. And, I mean, we can explore that if you want, but I know time is limited. So right. there's a lot of creepy stuff, but the thing that I discovered, even as a witch, that there was this dark, deep undercurrent within the Masons of sexuality, of perversion, and of this idea, and mind you, this again was in the 70s, of finding children attractive, which is sort of bizarre, you know, any normal right. person. And I felt this... Even though I was a lost person, I felt this kind of creeping over me. I mean, I never did anything, thank God, but I felt this desire, and I didn't know where it comes from. It was just like out of the blue. And then I got involved in Memphis Mitzrium masonry, which is higher-level stuff from Europe, and there it gets even creepier, and you start learning about the idea that they talk about, okay, in the Scottish Rite, the last, the highest degree, unless you get an honorary 33rd degree, is called the Sublime Prince of the Royal Secret. And what's the royal secret that you're the prince of? You know, acquiring minds would like to know. Well, nobody seems to know. Like, I talked to several high-level guys in the Scottish Rite that were friends of mine, you know, within the lodge. They just kind of shrug their heads and say, I don't know, or they'd give you the motto you know, which is spes meo and deus est. My, my hope is in God, which is okay, but that's hardly a big secret. So anyhow, the more I drilled into this, and especially the more I got into the higher level stuff, I found out, this was decades before anybody was talking about adrenochrome, was the idea that by having, you know, drinking the blood of children, by having sexual relations with children, that masonry believed they could achieve immortality. Now, mind you, most masons, probably 99 out of 100 masons, don't know about this. But the problem is, aside from the fact that it's an anti-Christian institution, which it is, that this, because of the way the devil works and spiritual authority works, they, all of these guys, a lot of them, most masons are Protestants, you know, 
Baptists, right. Lutherans, whatever. And when they kneel at that altar and they swear an oath to the worshipful master of that lodge, they're coming under the spiritual authority of that man, who is, of course, a high-level mason. And, of course, I like to tell people the only worshipful master in the universe is Jesus Christ. Amen. But that's not how Masons see it, because you're not even allowed to witness Christ in a Masonic temple. So anyway, the thing that is important about this spiritually is that as part of that initiation, right, you're kneeling at this altar, they have a rope around your neck called the cable toe, a blue velvet rope. And when you're done swearing this blood-curdling oath, and you end up by saying, so help me, God, keep me steadfast, and the due performance of the same, and it's a blood-curdling oath. It's talking about having your tongue ripped out. This is just first degree, the lowest degree. Anyhow, the master will turn to the lodge office that is standing beside you at the altar, and he says, Brother Senior Warden, remove the cable tow from about our brother's neck because he is now bound by a much stronger tie to the fraternity. And at that moment, that fellow, and I don't care if he's a, a pagan or a Christian or an elder or a pastor of a church or whatever, he has placed himself under the spiritual authority of the Masonic Lodge, which right. is basically Baal worship. Even though, again, hardly anybody understands that. Right. But that's why there's the letter G all over Masonic regalia. They say, oh, it stands for God. Well, no, it doesn't. It stands for genital. You get that if you read the books. I kid people. I say Masons are a lot like Christians, and if they don't read their own books, <laughs> right. just like a lot of Christians don't. I mean, I know many Christians that will tell me they've never read all the way through the Bible, right? even though they've been in the church for decades. And in the same way, there are a lot of, the, like the lodge that I was in, which was Kilburn Lodge Number 3 in Milwaukee, they had a good library of books, and you could find this stuff in the books, but most guys, they just want to go to the lodge and then sit down and eat sandwiches and play pinochle afterwards. You know, it's a social. And they're, they're innocent, but the problem is they don't understand this dark, perverse energy that's percolating into them, and how do they fight it? Especially because most of these guys, and I, you know, I wrote a book, Years ago, one of our bestsellers called Masonry Beyond the Light. And in there, I talk about the fact that Masons, you know, when they join the lodge, they might be, you know, a good, solid Christian, Protestant, whatever, but it starts dampening the fire of their zeal. Yes. It's like, you know, like Elijah said in 1 Kings 18, you know, how long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, serve him. If Baal be God, serve him. And that's what they're, I tell people it's like having a a foot in one rowboat and a foot in another rowboat and they're drifting apart. And unfortunately, unless the man is really spiritually strong and has had a good background of discipleship, he's going to start drifting towards paganism because that's what our fallen nature goes for. And so we have had, and I got to tell you, brother, we have had literally hundreds of people, both men and, and wives and or daughters of Masons, that have been sexually molested by Masonic family members in Masonic lodges, in a, a perverse ritual context. So 
The bottom line is this is a major source of pollution within the church because most Masons are Protestants. Yes. A few of them aren't. And this started seeping in to both, you know, European, you know, English Christianity and in American Christianity about 120 years ago or so, along with the fact that they threw out, you know, they started using modern Bibles, quote-unquote, instead of the King James, which I believe means you're trying to fight the devil with a butter knife instead of the sword of the Spirit. So that, that's another component. So we're entering into the 20th century with a church that has, just like it talks about in the book of Genesis, a mixed multitude. Yes. People that, that came out of Egypt, quote-unquote, but not entirely. Wow. And then the, the, the other thing is the fact that, that in the middle of the early 20th century, this guy came along, Aleister Crowley, who's a notorious black magician, not in a racial sense, he's an English guy, very powerful, brilliant, evil man. And he basically dominated the ceremonial, magical, occult world for the first half of the 20th century wow. until he died in 1947. Now, what this guy did, he, he basically believed he had a spiritual encounter. I go into more of this in the DVD. In Egypt, with this ancient god, Iwas, in the Cairo Museum, because the guy, when he got married, Crowley, he spent his honeymoon night in the king's chamber of the Great Pyramid. So, sounds real romantic, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm but anyway, so... He and his new bride were going through the museum, and they saw, well, she happened to see this one Egyptian artifact, and she, like, went into a trance and pointed at it. And he walked up to it, because he didn't know what it was, and it happened to be exhibit number 666 in the museum. And by this time, he had, even though this guy was raised Plymouth Brethren, by devout English Plymouth Brethren, He had totally turned his back on God. When he was in Oxford, he took a toad and crucified it upside down on a little cross. You know, that's, he just despised Christianity. And so he figured out from all of these experiences in Egypt that he was to found a new religion called Thelema, which is the Greek word for will. And there would be, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. I know some of your listeners may have heard that phrase. Well, he... He, that's kind of the golden rule of his cult. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Love is the law, love under will. So anyway, he then proceeded to go deeper into all this dark stuff. And I was into this. I was a deep follower of Crowley. I read all of his garbage. I mean, talk about, you know, walking through a spiritual cesspool. And that's where I was in the late 70s. And anyhow... One of the things he came across was this idea of the, of the god Horus dethroning the slain and risen god, which he identified with Jesus, and taking a new god, quote-unquote, named Horus, or Heruparkrat, Egyptian god, hawk-headed god, and he was the crowned and conquering child. That's what Crowley called him, because he's the son, Horus is, of Isis and Osiris. So he's like the divine child. And this, he claimed, because this guy was a pedophile, and he claimed that he was introducing a new kind of energy 
into the world of the fascinating child. Now, this was in the, like, 1920s. Wow. And he joined the Masonic Lodge, became a very high-level Mason. If you, he put out a magazine, and one of them, he lists, like, four or five pages of the Masonic degrees that he had earned. I mean, the guy was just totally into Masonry and occultism, and he was also a heroin addict. Wow. Let me just do a little promo here because uh, maybe somebody wants to get your DVD. Our guest is Dr. Bill Schnebelin. We are discussing his excellent DVD. It's titled Pedophilia, Satanic Ritual, Royal Secret. It examines the Devil's Triangle, a dangerous conjunction of Freemasonry, Lester Crowley's cult, and the, quote, fascinating child. Bill has just been speaking about that and the dark social engineering mind control efforts of the Tavistock Institute. These are fascinating subjects. It involves dark forces, human and demonic, that are destroying our culture. And friends, look at our culture. Look at our president. Look at our country. What's going on? Well, you will want this DVD. I testify it's fantastic. It's an eye-opener. It's titled Pedophilia, Satanic Ritual, Royal Secret. You can get your own DVD by calling 1-800-652-1144. Now, one thing I did want, want to hear you, and you're very eloquent on this. Tell us how you became a follower of Yeshua, of Jesus Christ. What were the circumstances? How did God open your heart? Was it a sermon? Was it somebody who spoke to you? And what would you say to those who well, are involved in Freemasonry, Satanism, and witchcraft. So go ahead, wax eloquent. <laughs> well, what happened to me is that I had sent a check to the Church of Satan every year, you know, like dues. And when the check came back from the bank, some bank officer had written on it, I'll be praying for you in Jesus' name. And I just stared at that. I threw it in my file and forgot about it. But literally, within days... I was hit by a spiritual Mack truck. I mean, I lost all my magical power, which was considerable. I lost my job. I was sick as a dog. I lost everything. And I couldn't figure out what had happened because my ego would not permit me to think that some mere weird, weird old lady out in California praying for me would make any kind of difference. So I, we had a temple in our attic painted black with magic circles and a statue of Pan and all this creepy stuff. And I knelt before Lucifer and I cried out to him and I said, I've done everything you've said. I've sold my soul to the devil. What is happening? Please send me a sign. Well, the funny thing is, is that even though I was praying to Lucifer, the almighty king of the universe, Yeshua, took the call. And the very next day, we got contacted by these two teenage girls. And this is unbelievable. They were two Satanist girls from Chicago. They wanted to take the train up to Milwaukee and see me because I was a somewhat notorious satanic priest. And when they came to see me, they brought me these two comic books from Jack Chick. You know, spellbound. These were the full-color comics, you know, spellbound and angel of light. And they said, you've got to read these comics. They're so stupid and Neanderthal. And right in those comics was the answer I was seeking. Right. But I, I couldn't be bothered. I thought, oh, whatever. I threw them in a box and forgot. Well, the next day, Mormon missionaries showed up at our door. <laughs> and I thought, this is, this is the sign. 
because I turned my back on the gospel, the devil moved right in with these two pink-cheeked, clean-cut, you know, all-American elders, you know, from the Mormon church. And because this Grandmaster Druid guy had told me that I ever got in spiritual trouble, I should join the Mormon church. It was started by a witch. He told me Joseph Smith was a sorcerer, the guy that founded the Mormon church. So we joined the Mormon church. I spent five, and basically I tell people, being in the Mormon church, I tried to live a good life for the first time in a decade. And it kind of was like a spiritual decompression chamber. It pulled me, and now Mormonism is a total lie, but it got me reading the Bible. And they used the King James Bible, and so I gradually came to see two things. Number one, that I was a lost individual, and number two, that the Mormon church was a lie. And so finally, I remembered those comic books, and, you know, I'm really making this short, but I, I went back. Oh, what happened? One thing, I went to a prophecy seminar in Dubuque, which is where we just moved, because I thought I can lead some people to Mormonism, because I believe Mormons have a living prophet, you know, which is their teaching. Mm -hmm. And I went there, and for the first time in my life, the preacher up there, I never had heard the gospel, ever, in my eye. I was at this time around 34 years old, and, you know, just never heard it. Wow. And I was smitten to my core, because I never watched TV. I mean, America, you know, like TV evangelists, which were not as big as they are now, but... And I went home, and I was trembling, and I remember those comic books after four or five days of praying and fasting for answers. I thought, I may as well try this. I've tried everything else. So I took the comic books. I took off my magic Mormon underwear, knelt at the foot of my bed, and prayed the prayer that was in the back of those comics, and I got born again. Praise God. That was in, yeah, amen, June twenty second, 1984. That's when I was born anew from heaven. Wow, that is that is so exciting. We, we're going to have you back, and we're just about out of time. This is uh, so, you know, when you were talking about some of the Masonic secrets and all of that, there was a chill. There was a chill that came over me. I mean, this is dark stuff. This is the stuff that's, that's um, the engine that's driving pedophilia today. So, friends, we're going to have Bill Schnebelin back with us for our next program. Be sure to tune in. To our next broadcast of your Watchman on the Wall broadcast of Southwest Radio Church, we are speaking to a man who has been, what should we say, through the, the smoke of demons, and he has met Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, the one who is the great chain breaker. And you know, friends, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you need to put your faith in him right now. Otherwise, You are enslaved to darkness, to foolishness, and your end will be hell. So please join us tomorrow on our next broadcast. We'll have much more on the satanic ritual of the royal secret on our next program. To learn more about today's topic, be sure and order the video, Pedophilia, Satanic Ritual of the Royal Secret. This DVD teaches what evil the demonic overlords command Then stand ready as Dr. Schneibelin shares how to dismantle these overlords with anointed strategies of spiritual warfare to take back territory the enemy has stolen. Order today when you call 1-800-652-1111.
1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order on our website, swrc.com. Greg Patton comes now to share some insight and encouragement from living in today's world. My friend, I don't want to bore you about the spirit world. We've been talking a lot about it on my daily show, and the new book is out and all of that. But you need to be reminded the adversary is going to continue his assaults on you and take his cheap shots. I just want to remind you ahead of time that it's coming, my friend. So is the war of life, your ups and your downs. You know, the book of Revelation, it's an amazing book. They talked about it recently in Columbus a lot. John vividly describes the enemy, his attacks, and the ultimate outcome of all of it. The war's already been won, my friend, by the good guys, you. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again, it was all over for Satan. He was and is ultimately defeated. And still the fight goes on. And yes, he wins a battle now and then. But it doesn't matter because he's lost the war. It reminds me of wars past when communications were poor. Sometimes armies went on fighting for months after the war had officially ended because they didn't know they'd already lost. And that's the way it is with Satan and his demons. In Revelation, John basically stands toe-to-toe with the enemy, spits in his eye and says, Take your best shot, Satan. Do your worst and we'll answer, Hallelujah anyway, because we know the victory is already ours. Still, when Satan and his lieutenants attack, you got to do battle. We must gather up our courage from the Word of God and march out to meet the enemy in that invisible war face-to-face. But we go knowing we are already victorious. You know, if you've been saved very long, you certainly know you have a number of earthly enemies. They're not the enemy about whom we must be most concerned about, however. No, your adversary, that's the one. Peter clearly states that it's the devil. He is the root of all evil. He is relentlessly engaged in a strategy to take you down. With deceptive stealth, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5.8 You know, the last time I checked, hunters called the lion the king of the beast. The last time I did an investigation of the devil, he was the highest of all angelic creatures. Though he fell from that exalted position due to what? His pride. Satan didn't lose any of his brilliance. And make no mistake about it today. When the highest of God's angelic creatures fell, he instantly rolled up his sleeves and entered into conflict with the divine plan of God. Small wonder that we're told, be of a sober spirit. Why? There's an invisible war going on. And once we identify the enemy and understand his ways, we realize the world is a battleground and not a playground. And one more thing, the adversary, he continues his assaults and all that stuff, but in the end, you and God win. To learn more about today's topic, be sure and order the video, Pedophilia, Satanic Ritual of the Royal Secret. This DVD teaches what evil the demonic overlords command. Then stand ready as your host, Dr. Schneiblin, shares how to dismantle those overlords with anointed strategies of spiritual warfare to take back territory the enemy has stolen. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, part two of the Satanic Ritual of the Royal Secret. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station 
or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.